Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? You guys look more awake than I was expecting. Normally on Sundays when it's like foggy outside, people come in like super sleepy, but you guys, most of you look awake, right? That's good to hear. Uh, sorry, this Sunday I won't be playing Lady Gaga. If you were here two Sundays ago, I played Lady Gaga. It was a lot of fun, but we're not going to do that. Uh, if you've been here for a while, you've seen that we've been doing the summer revivals. Like, we want West Milford to be on fire for God. We want to see the United States alive in Christ. We want to see the world reached with the gospel. And today is actually the last sermon for the summer revival series. So we are going to do things just a little bit different. I thought it'd be cool, we're, we're going through a different like, curriculum, and today we're going to look at Psalms, uh, the 85th chapter of Psalms. But it's kind of weird, right? We just talk about it, and then you guys nod, and then I say, hey, you want to listen to Lady Gaga? And then you listen, you nod, and then we go home, and we maybe think about it, and sometimes we pray. One of the cool things that I thought we could do today is we could talk a little bit about the Psalm, and then we could pray together, and then I'd come back up and we'd hear a little bit more about the Psalm and then we pray together. That we wouldn't just make it like a theoretical, but we would have it practical. And I've always heard it said, and it, you can, the words can be changed, a family that uh, prays together stays together. Have you heard that? Yeah? A church that prays together stays together. And as much as I like, want to say that's cheesy and corny, my small group, they have an amazing small group leader. I teach the Bible like, in fun ways. I draw different things on the board, and I have all these cool like, little text messages I send them throughout the week. And we go rock climbing, and we go to the whatever this and the fun that. Our strength, our, our, the thing that makes our small group so powerful is every Wednesday we pray. No matter where we are, we hop on Zoom or on FaceTime, and we pray together. And that's the thing that I think keeps our group together. I wouldn't know the uh, different struggles that my, my friends are going through without them being vulnerable in the prayer. I wouldn't know the different triumphs that they've been experiencing if it wasn't for us praying and, and relying on Jesus and seeing him be victorious. So, you know what? That's what I should do right now. I'm going to pray, and then we'll just look at the psalm and talk about it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll keep that pattern going. Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us here. Open us up to your holiness. Help us to understand and to be reverent towards you. We pray that that desire for revival wouldn't just be... Um, the thing we did in the summertime. It would be an active part of our lives, that we would seek your face, and that you would give us your heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Two weeks ago I was here, I talked to you about King Solomon. I don't know if you remember uh, that sermon so well, but King Solomon was the king of Israel at the height of Israel's power. Military might, King Solomon was in charge. Economic prosperity, global influence, and King Solomon was dedicating the temple of the Lord. He was consecrating it or setting it apart for God's purposes. And then uh, I heard Pedro was here last week. He didn't tease me. I was bummed out. I teased him in the first sermon. He didn't tease me back. So I guess I won't tease him this time. But Pedro talked about King Josiah. Uh, there was a civil war between where I spoke and the people of God were like kind of following him, kind of not. You'd have pockets of different churches, excuse me, pockets of different groups following God and other parts that were kind of just like, we don't care. It's not as important to us as it once was. And then there was this wicked king that came in. 
and he led the people of God to follow different shrines, different idols. Uh, he distracted them with different, like, hey, look at our prosperity, look at our military might. He was so wicked, he did so many, like, mean things that his own people assassinated him. And a new king, a, like a boy king, I forget if uh, Pedro said he was in middle school or if he was nine, but the people of God decided to follow the boy king. And he, I don't know if, if it was like um, his aunties and uncles who prayed for him. Who knows uh, with the child, like whether people taught him the word or whether they actively took an interest in his life and, and guided him. But at nine, as a, as a young kid, he wanted to dedicate his country and his title and everything about him to God. So when he got older, older he destroyed the uh, shrines, he destroyed the idols, he dedicated his country back to God. And for a long time, the people of Israel were once again following the Lord. But decade after decade, year after year, people either decided to follow shrines or idols, what they thought would provide fulfillment, what they thought would make their lives better. Or they just passively ignored God. They didn't have the same reverence for him. Trippy thought as I was thinking about this. God got really upset about that, like emotional. We don't think of God as the sensitive God, do we? But we do know that you and I, were created in the image of God, and you and I get pretty sensitive sometimes, right? You and I get pretty emotional. Where do we get that from? Where do we get our um, anger from? Or our joy? I think we get that from God. In fact, throughout the Bible, it says constantly, Jesus looks on the young man and he, and he loved him. Jesus wept. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Year after year, God saw his people turn away from him. Year after year, he, he loved them and cared for him and, and tried to reach out to them. He sent prophets. And year after year, they looked away. They chose other things. They didn't trust God. There's this guy, he's pretty famous. His name is Wayne Grudem. He's famous for writing a book where he took complex ideas and made it super simple. He describes God's wrath as God's righteous anger towards sin. So today's psalm takes place kind of after God's wrath, after his righteous anger towards sin. He had watched for decades as the people of God slowly left him, as small communities slowly dispersed, as people turned away from the Lord and decided to follow other things, maybe not even other gods, maybe just trusting in their, um, their work titles or how much they could provide for their families or who they were in their communities. God raised up this um, super evil group of people. At least that's what they're described in the Bible. God raised up the Babylonians. And the reason he calls them wicked, the reason the Babylonians were so like weird, so, um, I don't know a better word than wicked. The reason they were so wicked was because the people of God were asleep. They needed something to wake them up. They thought they were fine, we're good. We have all this prosperity, we have all this military might, we're fine, we don't need God. Or we don't actively think about God. The only way they could be woken up is if a more wicked army would destroy them. So one day the Babylonians, led by God, God raised up the king of Babylon to take down Israel, to take down God's people. And every building, I don't know if this one counts, every building three stories tall or taller was burned to the ground. The temple that King Solomon consecrated was one of the ancient wonders of the world. It's in the middle of Africa, Asia, and Europe, so those three continents could meet together to worship God, to find God. The temple was burned to the ground. The king's palace was burned to the ground. Everything that the Babylonians wanted to destroy, they did. The walls. 
and they were especially cruel. I think if you study history, if an African tribe beats another African tribe, or an Asian tribe beats another Asian tribe, or a European tribe beats another European tribe, when they take captives, they tie their wrists together, right? Or maybe their feet, and they're, they're having to like move with their captors. What the Babylonians did, just because they were cruel, they were just wicked, they were mean, they put hooks in the Israelites' noses, and they dragged them out from, with their noses. It was like shameful, it was embarrassing, and it was extremely painful. The Babylonians were meant to wake up God's people to his holiness. And here we have Psalm 85. After years of God's people being in captivity, after years of being displaced, after years of not feeling like God was with them because they had turned their backs on him, and after years of being humbled, and after years of regret, after years of pursuing God and seeking his face, the Israelites are finally allowed to go back to their hometowns, back to their own lands. And the psalmist writes this. I'm going to have my friend read the first four verses. Lord, you pour out blessings on your land. You restore the fortunes of Israel. You you forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. You held back your fury. You kept back your blazing anger. You restored us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us one more. God's wrath is his righteous anger towards sin. This is a fresh new start for Israel. They have a chance to dedicate their lives to God once again. So what we're going to do, just based off of the psalm, is as far as seeing that God is set apart. If you think that uh, you're loving, God is holy. That's what holiness means to be set apart. God's holiness to be set apart means that whatever love you think you have for someone, God's love is set apart. It's a love that you can't comprehend. If you think you understand power, God's holy. He's set apart. His power is set apart. We don't understand power compared to God. The first way we're going to pray today is to seek after that holiness, to seek after that perfection, that that holiness that's unblemished, that holiness that's set apart. So if you will, if you could break off into groups of two or three, since a church that prays together stays together. If you don't know the person you're sitting next to, that's fine, great opportunity. We're going to pray that we would be more aware of God's holiness, that we would grow in our reverence of God. Before we can have revival, we need to understand who we're praying to. And the God of the Bible wants to be described as a holy God, a God set apart, unmatched, unequal, unblemished. So for the next few minutes, whichever group you're kind of next to, if you could just break off, and we'll just pray that God would raise our awareness of his holiness. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people, but let them not return to their foolish ways. Yeah, me neither. Apparently that's a big deal, right? A lot of people sleepwalk. I've never seen it. You guys ever seen it? Yeah? Okay, wow. (laughs) Got to ask twice, you know? Then you get uh, more stats. My wife, um, when we were first dating, she told me that she used to sleepwalk as a kid, and every now and then she would sleepwalk. And every night, I'm already, I've seen way too many scary movies. I'm already a little bit, like, afraid of my apartment. But if I ever woke up and saw my wife doing random things in the night, I would freak out. I would be a good husband, and I'd be like, okay, let's calmly get you back to bed. But I'd be scared the whole time, I think. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I've heard that sleepwalkers, um, some of them cook while they're sleepwalking. 
Have you guys heard that? I've also heard that uh, sometimes they'll walk out of their houses, just walk down the street or, or walk around the block in their pajamas. And I heard sleepwalking is dangerous. I'm sure you guys know that too because you could walk down the stairs and just fall. I can't imagine how scary that'd be. Like, it's already scary apparently if you wake up a sleepwalker and uh, they just freak out because they don't know where they are. But if you woke up because you fell down some stairs, that sounds kind of scary. As a society, um, maybe we sleepwalk too. Maybe we're easily distracted by entertainment or the way that society works, different belief systems, things that we were told are true that we've never actually thought about. Maybe we pursue um, things that would give us identity that aren't necessarily beneficial or not necessarily honoring God or needed. Maybe we do things that we don't think about because we're chasing this dream, we're chasing this idea in our careers or in our communities. We're not thinking about it, we're just kind of focused in on the dream and then suddenly God wakes us up to the reality. There was this cool quote I'm going to read it real quick just because he said it better than me. So often that's the case of our lives. We have the capacity to passively become products of the world's ideas, narratives, beliefs, and systems. We search aimlessly for a sense of identity or belonging or the next high or the next thrill, the things that will make me popular with peers or the things that will give me purpose. So distracted by what the world tells us, so focused in the dream that we are not aware of reality. We sang about God's unfailing love, and I, I can't believe that, because I didn't talk to Jessica ahead of time, I didn't talk to Lindsay ahead of time to find out like, what the worship set was, or tell them, tell them what we're reading today for the Psalms. God, uh, just off the top of my head, I know this is true because I wanted to know, 32 times God says unfailing love. 32 times man writes in the word, God, thank you for your unfailing love. I looked it up because I thought it'd be fun. Apparently, uh, that's a hard number to remember. If you guys can tell me how to think of 32. There's 31 kings in the book of Joshua that the Israelites defeat. That's the closest I got to, like, fun uh, memorization help. But that's beside the point. The point is, multiple times, we see in the word that God's love will never fail. Multiple times, we're called to rely on his love. And just like this morning, we sang out for that love, that he would grant us our salvation. Unfortunately, so often we allow ourselves to be distracted. We give up our time to um, things that we think, I, me personally, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you guys, I like to veg out. That term means I just like to not use my brain a whole lot. I'm watching This Is Us with my wife. I love watching This Is Us because I can just focus on the TV and not focus on things that might stress me out. I like to be asleep. That's why I started asking you guys, you guys look pretty awake. This is good. This is a good sign for our revival. But so often we like to sleepwalk. So often we like to live in the dream, be distracted by different systems in our world, different beliefs that we were taught growing up. The psalmist cries, show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us salvation. For this next um, opportunity that we have to pray together, I was hoping that we could pray for a conscious awareness of God. I think we start off with understanding his holiness, understanding that he is set apart, and from that point we can see, hey God, where are you in my everyday life? In my commute to work, where are you? Where are you in my anger when I'm upset? Where are you in my triumphs when I'm happy? Where are you in my family? 
in my community, in my belief systems, how I view other people. I don't know what that quote did for you. I just was constantly, I, I studied political science, so I thought about, okay, where's God in capitalism? Where's God in communism? Is he, where, where is he? I thought of different relationships in the way that we view people and like what we were told. Maybe it's not the same for you. Maybe there's some areas of our lives where we're still sleeping or some areas that we haven't examined where God is trying to show us how much he loves us, that his love is unfailing. So let's spend this next couple of minutes praying that God would awaken us, give us a new awareness of where he is in our everyday lives, that we would live a life of thanksgiving and praise, returning our breath back. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so our land will be filled with his glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. Do you guys know uh, Nicolas Cage? Just real quick, what's your opinion of him? Uh, show of hands, he's a good actor versus he's a bad actor. Good actor. Bad actor? <laughs> There's this um, video essay that I watched where the whole essay talked about whether they could answer the question of whether Nicolas Cage was a good actor. The character in this video essay previously answered the question, who's the boss? I've never watched that TV show, maybe you have. Uh, apparently, is it Angela, is that her name? Angela's the boss, and he proved it through a, a series of seven strong evidences. But in this video essay about Nicolas Cage, our main character goes insane trying to figure out whether Nicolas Cage is a good actor or a bad actor. He starts acting like Nicolas Cage, and, and I won't do it, but he gets pretty wild. And um, I guess what they concluded in that essay was that Nicolas Cage is both a good actor and a bad actor. This is called an antinomy. When two things that are seemingly contradictory are both true. Let me give you another one that's a little bit more serious. Light travels in waves and particles. Not, that's contradictory. It can't do that. It's an antinomy. God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. You and I have a responsibility to be faithful. Responsibility of man, God's sovereignty. Seeming contradiction, antinomy. Both are true. The tail end of the psalm shows us heaven meeting earth like a kiss. The tail end of this psalm show us the faithfulness springing up from the ground. I've added in my Bible maybe faithfulness of man. And then the heavens coming down. And that meets in the place of Jesus Christ. Heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. You might know that part a little bit better. A little bit better. The last part of our prayer is that God is constantly opening up opportunities for us to share that, to share it where we can be faithful to him, where we can be ambassadors of him. The, uh, the rest of the Bible shows that we are a holy people, a chosen people, that we, as a sinful people, we represent a sinful people to a holy God, and we represent a holy God to a sinful people. So for the last section of this, as a way to close off our series of revival, as a way to trick you to pray with us together, as a way to actually come to the Father and to rely on him. Let's pray that we would be more aware of when he's calling us to share the gospel. When he's more, when, to be more aware of the times that we can love our neighbors.
or what that even looks like, how best to love our neighbors, how best to listen, how best to be there for them in ways that Jesus would. So let's pray together that God would awaken us to the opportunities we have to share with our communities and not just to be aware of when we can, but to have the courage to have the love to go and to share the gospel with our friends and with our family. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.